Let us pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Well, I got one thing to say. Believe me, never drive in Rome. (laughs) The laws don't apply. I'll never forget my first introduction to Rome. I arrived by bus, and I was on this guided tour, and we were flying down this very steep street, just busting through all the red lights. And I noticed that this was not unusual, that there was buses zooming past, and there was cars maneuvering in and out of traffic. Seemed like anything went. And now, I didn't personally witness any crashes, but they are inevitable when the rules don't apply. All I can say is thank God for the Ten Commandments, the Torah, the law, the rules of the road. The Ten Commandments and later the Magna Carta were two of the most life-giving gifts to mankind. Rather than restricting people, actually these laws provide order for communal living so that people can live more freely with agreed upon, you know, ways of being together. Laws codify expectations. No, you you can't just go out and kill somebody or take somebody's stuff. And even when man-made laws can sometimes get it wrong, like Jim Crow laws, we can trust that God's laws are always grace-bound, ever desiring to give his people abundant life. God's laws are for us. They're for all of us. And when we explain this concept to, to children in godly play, the Ten Commandments are called the ten best ways, and we tell them they're the ten best ways. They're not easy, but they're the best ways. And so Donna helped me come up with a little prop that simulates what they get. And so you'll see that this is, this is the heart, and it's divided into threes. And on the left, it says, God, love God, and on the right, it says, love people. And underneath it all, God loves you. And they explain with the sandbox, because this happened out in, in the desert, that, that there's three laws that deal with how we should love God and be in relationship with God, and that there's six laws about how we should treat one another and be in relationship one, with one another. And, um, you know, we heard them this morning, like, honor your father and mother and don't lie and, and don't break your marriage and don't, don't steal, don't covet. And then there was, there was a fourth law that, that sort of bridges the gap, and I'm going to get to that. You might remember that... Um, that because God gave these laws or Moses or ways to Moses and then to his people, they were in that 40-year wilderness walk, going from slavery to freedom. And in that time, they had, they had the space for these rules of the road to sort of soak in and become a part of their culture and their identity. And the Israelites were given this time to be morally activated people with sort of bumper rails to ensure that they stayed in the track. Now, that fourth 
um, that fourth way or that tenth way, which comes in the middle between, between loving God and loving people, is this, this law that, that says that we should remember the Sabbath. This is kind of how we love ourselves. These days, the, the fourth way almost seems optional. And so that's the one I want to talk about right now. I want to talk about the Sabbath today. To Sabbath is to cease work. And God himself modeled that in creation. God created and worked for six days, and then he rested on the seventh to enjoy what he had done. You know, to Sabbath, when we use it as a verb, is really to resist work. It's taking the necessary pause to stop this frenetic doing and just be. In truth, I keep rediscovering that to stop producing and just be starts to open a space in me that can actually connect more deeply to myself and then to everybody else in my wake. Unfortunately, people can tell when I'm not pausing, when I'm not playing, when my heart isn't spacious or welcoming. And remembering to take a weekly Sabbath protects us from being dull and, and driven and even bitter. It protects us from setting our own priorities above God's priorities. You know, in my type A producer, uh, achiever personality, I need to be reminded of this. And so I preach to myself when I suggest to you that what if we used Lent, our own 40-day walk with God, to experiment with this sort of life rhythm that included a weekly day of Sabbath? And I'm sure many of you can relate, especially working parents, with so much on your plate and so many people actually depending on what you do, that to take a break from work, it seems almost selfish. But this is, in fact, the trust covenant that God has invited us to take. Is God able somehow to handle this day without me? Perhaps, as today's scripture reminds us, Abba knows us better than we know ourselves, and that it's possible to let go of our compulsion to produce, perform, and accomplish all the time. Rather, God would invite us to spend some time with him in worship. You guys are already ahead of the game. You know, to take an unprogrammed, lazy day to just be with family and friends. We could do worse things than then taking the time to pick up a book of poetry and just, and just check it out. Or to go out into the yard and, and putz around, trusting that God will give you whatever you need to pick up the plow again on Monday and get her done. In our Lenten study, we're looking at, God, at Mark's gospel, and as we read it through in that whole sitting one time, I, I was noticing how Jesus almost on purpose would violate the Sabbath, a no-no, work. And so he's, he's doing this, I, I imagine, to provoke the religious elites by violating the Sabbath law. But he does this to illustrate that the Sabbath is a divine gift 
It's a gift for restoration rather than a divine duty with no regard to the situation at hand. Again and again, Jesus flips this understanding, telling them that the Sabbath is made for us and not the other way around. Sabbath is God's gracious permission to routinely resist work. This command to Sabbath is radical, and it's deeply spiritual. It's built into our faith story all the way through Scripture, from God in creation to God's liberation after the Pharaoh refused to let his people go out and meet with him for three days. And again, God feeding his people out there in the wilderness, providing that manna for six days, and on the sixth day giving them extra so that they didn't have to work on the seventh. I love the way Barbara Brown Taylor express, expresses this sort of training that the Israelites went through in the wilderness, saying, Sabbath was the day when Israel celebrated its freedom from compulsion. On that one day every week, the people did not work and still were fed. On that one day every week, they remembered their worth lay not in their own productivity, but in God's primordial love for them. Sabbath offered them a foretaste of heaven when they would lie back in God's arms and behold the glory of creation in all eternity. I agree. It is a radical idea to take a whole day off to worship, and to lean back in God's loving arms. You know, when we unplug for a day from our email, knowing that somebody is going to be unhappy with us, that we did not get back with them, when we defer work, even as we imagine it's piling higher and higher on us, this is our trust walk with the Father who knows best. And haven't we found that when we show up for God, that he really, really shows up for us? This holy rhythm, working six days, then resting on the seventh, opens up a new possibilities in the way we can even see life. It gives us a blessed moment to glimpse what we value, to renew our relationships with Jesus and self and others. Every once in a while, we have, in fact, taken time for ourselves. We've stepped off the planet, and we know what this downtime does for us, that it frees up this interior space to, to feel and to notice and to think about what's really important in life rather than just managing the urgent. To break out of our dashing and never-go-deep pace, is actually something we regularly need, and still we deny it from ourselves. God absolutely wants us to live life with service to others, but we cannot give what we do not have. We must take time to rest and refuel, just like eating and sleeping. We need it for our bodies. 
Now, I don't want to use this reminder to honor the Sabbath as just one more thing to pile up on an already busy life. But God's laws are gracious, and they are for us. Jesus himself empties and emphasizes this grace of Sabbath over mere rule-keeping as he purposely violated the Sabbath. Because there will be weeks when your son breaks his leg or I have an unexpected funeral to, to give, and I have to defer Sabbath. And that's okay if it happens sometimes. You know, I have this feeling that if we could go and meet with God in person, just as, as Moses did, face to face, and we could ask him personally, what is the secret for really living to have life everlasting here in the now? I bet he'd just carve out the top 10 tips and write it in stone, telling us that the rule of life that bridges loving God with all your heart and loving your neighbor as yourself is to remember the Sabbath, the day of joy. Holy smokes, one day a week we're invited to resist to worship the clock and rehearse what it's like to just lie back in the loving arms of God. Brothers and sisters, it's the Sabbath. Go play. Amen. Oh,